to the information security stack together with me, Daniel Gustafsson and Kim Hindert. Finally back from uh, vacation and a bit of a pause in the uh, podcast, but now finally back in action again. So we are going to kick off this uh, fall and winter with a session where we're going to do a little bit of a roundup about our favorite topic in the world, GDPR. Well, it's not actually our favorite topic in the world, but we are forced to talk about it a lot. <laughs> um, so here we are. So, Kim, let's start with uh, and catch up with some activities that's been going on during the summer, actually. We can start in Sweden. Yeah, actually, a lot of Swedish public authorities and uh, government agencies has gathered together, made an analysis. Can we, as Swedish government agencies, use Teams? And mm. this is because, yeah, if you haven't noticed, we have started using video connections a lot more. It has something to do with a small virus somewhere, I, I think, <laughs> at least. So everyone goes very, very much all of a sudden um, into doing video and remote work. Mm. So, yeah, that's it's nice. It's been a thing, let's call it that, the last year mm. and a half. It's been a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But that's a pretty amazing thing because this wouldn't have worked 20 years ago. No. We would have been forced to go to work and just tough it out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, I think so. Actually, in this case, a lot of video service can actually claim we saved a lot of lives. Yeah, for sure. So, but yeah, uh, and that said, of course, they made a good and proper analysis and they made exactly what you do because I always face the argument it's a either on or off. GDPR totally forbids you to use Teams or Zoom mm. or anything else or it totally allows it, and there's nothing in between. No, it's a not on or off scenario. It's a matter on how you use it. Mm-hmm. If you have a car, it's perfectly legal for you to have a car. That said, you can drive your car illegally very well. Oh, yes. Uh, rest assured, <laughs> I know I've got fined a lot <laughs> for <laughs> doing exactly that. So mm-hmm. you can speed. Not only can you speed, you can run over people. Mm-hmm. You can uh, not have insurance on your car. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of ways. So I'd say it's the same with all IT services. It's a matter on how are you using them and what risk do you connect to that? Yes. What risk do you see by implementing them as an organizational tool? And this was very good. It was a good analysis when they said, we see a big risk with how the data is handled within Teams, especially the Active Directory part where you need to register an account mm-hmm. and have that, and how that is handled. And if they were to implement this across the organization, they saw a major, major risk of the users handling it, processing data in the wrong way. With mm-hmm. these tools, and that's a good thing to observe and have take into account. So they started by looking for alternatives that ha- do not have the risk of FISA. And I repeat, this is solely a United States legal issue. 
Mm. It has to do with legal authorities in the US. So there's no way any type of agreement can help and resolve this. Mm. There's nothing the vendor themselves can do. No. Except move from the United States. Yeah. So that's which, the which we can't force them to do if they are from no the no United States. exactly <laughs> so that that's <laughs> the part but the, that's so you perfectly understand yeah uh, so if the vendor is an American entity mm. then they are susceptible to FISA and FISA is a big issue and yeah that's a risk so you have to evaluate that risk of course they could have said we are only going to use Teams for mm. coffee break chatter and banter. Sure, okay, go ahead, do that. But all of a sudden, when we start to use Teams for more sensitive stuff, then we have the issue, are we really certain we are our users will do it correctly mm. all the time? And mm. yeah, that's the tricky part. That's a slippery thing. <sighs> so <coughs> that said, I mean, let's take the example of autobahns. We have roads in Germany that have free speed limits. Yep. And people might think uh, here in Sweden we have speed limits and say, but that's, uh, that's bad. Why not let the driver himself decide the risk they want to take, how fast they want to go? Mm. It's the risk up to the driver, so why not let the driver take that risk? Yeah, you can argue that, absolutely. Let's now imagine that the driver is not driving a car. Is driving a bus full of school children. Yeah. Should we still allow him to take the risk he wants? Let's let the driver decide what risk he wants to take. Mm -hmm. Or should we so put some restrictions that you're not allowed to take that many risks? You should be a lot more careful when you drive school children than when you are in by yourself in your yep. car. Yep. I think everyone can agree that they make sense. Mm -hmm. So if you're a government agency handling millions of people's personal data and integrity, it's not you that will be hurt. It's not no. you that will be affected. No. It's all the, <laughs> all the millions of data subjects that you're processing. Those are the ones that will be hurt and affected. So yeah. the risk should reflect that so it's not your risk alone to take no and you don't have the authority over those people to make that risk assessment for them either that's not your decision it's so their decision yeah so this is the important part so that's why so but at least they made a very good statement and looked to it and decided that no it was too high a risk mm. to use teams yeah and believe me when we ask and when people say yeah, but I want a yes or no. No, mm. it's a matter of risk. Mm. And do we accept this risk or not? That's mm -hmm. the thing. That's the tricky part. And unfortunately, there's no well-defined guidelines on this. They're coming more and more, but absolutely, they're still. Mm. So we can see, but yeah. So, and that said, if it, but if it's only up to a uh, risk that you're being fined, mm -hmm. yeah, no then there's nothing to, to say. Uh, like I said, try to say, if we are only doing the commercial risk assessment of a company, benefits compared to costs and the probability that you will be fined, mm. you should all, we should all launder money. 
We should <laughs> all do money laundering. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing as profitable and with as low a risk as money mm. laundering. Mm. So, yeah, we should all absolutely do money laundering because it's only a white collar crime, so you will not be charged mm-hmm. for a long time in prison and no fines that any government authority will fine you. It's, no, uh, it's anywhere near the profit you will make mm. for doing that. And the risk that you will be detected before you make a huge profit, it's very mm. low, so you know what. Mm. It makes perfect commercial sense and uh, fi- uh, uh, finance uh, <coughs> it makes perfect uh, business sense yeah. to do money laundering. But it's not ethical. It supports terrorism, it supports crime, it supports mm-hmm. so. We have an ethical principle somewhere. We you need to rely on values and say, yeah. no, it's wrong doing money laundering. Mm-hmm. Violating people's integrity, digital integrity, is wrong. Yeah. So don't talk about it as a risk from a perspective, oh, we might get fined. No. 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 It's what happens if we leak data about individuals? Will they get hurt? Mm-hmm. That is the first and foremost risk you need to take and con- into consideration. Yeah. Disregard any of the fines. Those are just... <laughs> yeah. If it's fines only that will do you that, yeah, I dare say you don't have perhaps the correct values. And then we can argue, are you suitable people to work in a public agency then? Exactly. So no, I think you need to be very clear that when you look at the GDPR, it's for the protection of the integrity of the data subjects you're processing. Mm. And those are the risks you need to consider, first and foremost. Yeah. But like I said, these government agencies made a very good analysis and considered them and said, yeah, okay, now we see the risk way too big that this will be hurt and yeah. Then they said, we let's need to find a EU alternative. Mm. Similar thing has happened to Zoom in Germany. German court and the German data protection officer said, no, no Zoom here. Mm. It's the same issue, same problem. They're handling stuff in the United States in a black box manner. So you don't have an insight, you don't have the transparency and you can never force them to be accountable because they are in the United States. So this is yeah, a very similar scenario that's happened actually in <coughs> in Zoom. And a very interesting thing was that the German court took up a case where a German public authority had actually done a really good and deep analysis of data protection impact assessment of Office 365. Yep. And took it to court and say, but we have done a really, really proper risk assessment and we feel the risk is small enough compared to what we are using it for, so it should be okay. Mm. And we can live with the Pfizer risk. Mm-hmm. And they were overruled and say, this is not an appropriate impact assessment because they have never even considered if there are fully European alternative that doesn't mm. have the Pfizer risk. It doesn't need even need to be European alternatives. This is also a topic we can discuss. It can be UK based. It can be Japanese based. Yep. It can be Swiss based. 
It can be in Norwegian, just that it's a, it doesn't expose a risk of FISA. Mm -hmm. It can't be Chinese because Chinese has similar laws yes. than FISA, but uh, the other ones, those can be possible alternatives. And they consider you have not even looked for a fully European alternative. No. So before you expose anything to the FISA risk, you need to have a very, very valid motivation why this is totally impossible to get mm. within Europe. Mm. So that was also a very interesting. So essentially the, the, the ruling was that they were lazy, essentially. Had yeah. they had just gone with the easy option out, essentially, yes. they had actually looked into the options of European providers. But they had done a thousand times more than most companies. They had actually oh, yeah, done yeah, for sure. No, no, no. They, they, they had a, they done the proper due diligence, <laughs> but the, the ruling essentially was, yeah. well, you only look to what was comfortable, essentially. Yes, right? exactly. Yes. So you didn't search anything no. closer and then said. So this is also interesting ruling in Europe now because the best thing they can do is force companies, organizations to start look to European alternatives in the first place. Because really, why should we expose things to FISA and take that risk if it's not needed, if it's not necessary? If no, is. exactly. So you need to have really good motivation why it's totally impossible not to. Yeah. That said, I do wish there's more companies in Europe that run on platforms within Europe. Because the f sad part is a lot of really great service providers here in Europe that provides mm. awesome SaaS services. Yeah, they run it on Amazon because that's what they know, and of course, yeah. I think it's natural. Yeah. And that's sad because that breaks a lot. Yeah, and once again, coming back to the fact that we need European providers, right? When mm. there 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 isn't a boatload of them either, which is an, which is a problem. So the options are, I mean, there are options, but you have to kind of look for them pretty hard to find them and that's where you, you tend to get you tend to take the easy route instead and go with what you know and what mm. is available and where you started and we have talked mm. about this before in the podcast that we the European uh, the American hyperscaler has a clear lead in that regard their marketing and their brand is way 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 more uh, recognizable than any of the European providers so that's an issue. We need to get more European providers into it. But speaking of which, Kim, um, so if I were to choose a company based in the US, we talked about this over and mm. over and over again. Pfizer kicks in, right? Mm. But what happens with a company that is Swedish, for instance, let's take an example out of the blue, a Swedish company who then gets acquired by a, for instance, UK-owned mm. company. The so from the UK instead of the US. Now, as you know, Brexit is has that com has that been is the, is the Brexit completed now? Is it done? Yes, it's uh, it's officially completed. done yeah, now because that just done. that yeah. sort of went into mm. the backwaters of every 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 newspaper yeah. when COVID hit, right? Yes, it's officially done. Mm. Brexit is done. So the UK or England, I should say, mm. is standing outside of of EU currently. Mm. How bad is that if? A Swedish company or European company, EU-based company, gets acquired by UK owners. What happens then? Yeah, and this is of course the interesting part when we talk about ownership and what rights do the owners have mm. to do stuff. And 
this is important to understand a bit. I think we need to look at the European perspective. And uh, a lot of people um, wonder why are GDP are so totally adamant about it being within EU. And as soon as it's within EU, they really don't care anymore and say, yeah, fine. Mm. It's a matter of accountability. Mm. Let me give you an example. If a Romanian individual violates Swedish law, mm. it doesn't even need to be Romanian law. The Romanian individual might work remotely for a Swedish company. Mm -hmm. If they violate Swedish law, they will be held accountable to that. The Swedish police can say, this individual is suspected of violating Swedish law. Please mm -hmm. apprehend them. And mm -hmm. the Romanian police will go do that. This is a process that's co cohesive all over Europe. So even if nations have different laws, if you as a member violate a law in another country, you can mm. be held accountable to that. It's even that you, there are cases when your Romanian citizens are being uh, tried in court in Romania for breaking a Swedish law. Then they take the Swedish law, interpret that in that court, and con can convict them of a crime they did against Swedish organizations and mm. citizens. Mm. So you are not protected from a legal framework. You're also protected, on the other hand, against crime from a cohesive legal framework all over Europe. So it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. So you cannot avoid extradition and serving, facing accountability for a crime you commit. Mm. But you're also protected from any other Europeans. They're not guarded by being in Hungary or France mm. if they commit a crime against Swedish citizens. The same way I, I as a Swedish person, if I try and hack a company in Romania, mm. they can hold me accountable for that. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that citizens can decide in finally if they are actually convicted of a crime is mm. where they want to serve their sentence if, it won't, if it's in Romania or Sweden. Yeah. But either way, so no, the law enforcement is functioning all over Europe. Even if there's no protection if you work for a Romanian company and say, this is not a law in Sweden. Mm. No, if you have assigned and uh, committed to upholding the Romanian company's laws mm. locally to Romania, mm -hmm. yeah, sorry, <laughs> you can face accountability for that. Mm. And that is true for GDPR, that's a regulation all across Europe. You yeah. face accountability regardless of where you are in Europe. You have nowhere to hide. Yeah. But it's always the same protection as well, so you know that. So regardless if you're a Romanian, Hungarian, France, or Swede, mm -hmm. you all serve under the protection and obligation of GDPR. Yeah. So that's it. And then you have countries that they have actually made an adequacy decision that the European Commission has investigated them and say they have a legal framework that supports this. Norway yeah. is one of them. Switzerland was one of them. Japan mm. was one of them. Mm -hmm. earlier United States was under privacy shield one of them mm. so we forget two times in a row United States tried to do this mm. with safe harbor and mm. privacy shield and no. both times they failed because the European Court of Justice mm. said no they have FISA mm. so what's the difference then people say but the UK intelligence can illegally hack anyone yeah because yes, they, have, they have snooping laws as well right yeah yeah Exactly, but mm -hmm. it's a difference. This is 
a matter if you legally can obtain data mm -hmm. or if you illegally need to have it. Yeah, CIA can hack you, of course. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, this is not the protection regarding deaths. It's a protection if you can be legally mm. obligated to hand over data, and especially yeah. then data about your customers, for instance, if you're a provider. Mm -hmm. This is the important part. So <coughs> this is uh, the part that FISA grants the right to legally do it. They don't mm. even need to illegally try and do something. They can just go to a court, secret court, and say, we want to have this information and then get legal permission to get this information. Right. And you cannot object to that and you uh. cannot even protest to that. This is protected by European courts. Mm. So if, for instance, a UK owner yep. say, we want to access data regarding data subjects that's being processed for other <laughs> clients mm. in from a sw or Swedish company. We own you. Yep. So we want this system access and we want this data mm. regarding your uh, your both either data subjects or customers in a legal manner. Yep. Guess what? They can't do that legally. That's a legal order. Right. Uh, the data protection officer can go to court or they can go charge them from police protection. They can say, no, you're not allowed to have system access. Just mm. because you're an owner, you're not allowed to have system access to uh, information you're not uh, authorized to handle. Yep. There's no nothing says. So you have to respect GDPR and the privacy it comes with, regardless if you're owned or not. The same law applies. Mm. And that's why it's important UK has committed in their legal framework to uphold GDPR for all European citizens. They have snooping laws, but it's very opposite to FISA. Mm. Their snooping laws is only for the UK citizens. Mm. They reserve the right to do extra snooping on their own citizens. And the EU say, yeah, fine, that's your issue with your mm. citizens. Mm -hmm. But they, in law, have written that they're not allowed to do this. Mm -hmm. With anyone outside with the European gotcha. citizens, so that's a big difference, and the same is here. So there are no legal recourse for a owner to automatically get information that are under privacy protection that they are not obligated to have. So let's mm. say, uh, for example, we as a cloud processor, mm. we process data on behalf of customers. They come yep. and give data to us. We're a cloud provider. We don't see the data in itself. We just process it. And uh, <coughs> owner come and say, we want to have this data. Hand it over, please. Mm. No. They are not allowed to have any system access. That's an illegal request. They're not allowed to have any access to data that they're not <laughs> obligated to have. No, that's an illegal request. If and only if we should hand out data here in Sweden. It is always the Swedish police. Mm. Then the Swedish police might, of course, be acting on behalf of the UK police. But then it goes the right way. So the only one who can say, we want to get the data out about these individuals or mm. these customers or these clients mm. of yours, that's the Swedish police. So that's gotcha. the only way. So that's the only authority they have. And if anyone, anything else comes that way, 
you can totally react as any <laughs> system administrator. So the, mm. they're protected in the sense that, yeah, you have a data protection officer and can just, uh, then can just report them to the authorities and say, hey, our owners here are trying mm. to something really fishy here. Mm. And then in charge. This is totally opposite of FISA. FISA, you cannot object, you cannot complain, you're put under gag order, mm. and you cannot even talk aloud about it. No. And you're obligated to hand over any information you request, regardless mm. if it's from other nations, in other nations, or mm. not. Mm. So, it's, it's a very different scenario, because it, it's all based on what are the legal frameworks in place to protect this. And mm. UK has stipulated in their laws that they uphold the European GDPR laws concerning European citizens. Yep. So it's illegal for your UK companies to try and snoop on European citizens. The same way as it's legal for European citizens to snoop on each other and stuff. So yeah, yeah the same legal framework applies. So that's the big difference here. And that's also a matter of you will be held accountable to that as well. All right, so that's that about that then, essentially. So now we don't now we now we cleared that out. So UK better than the US currently, as we stand. Yeah, UK doesn't have FISA laws that are extraterritorial and has different standards concerning their own citizens and yeah. <laughs> others. They <laughs> they allow for higher protection for mm. foreigners than they do for their own citizens. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's where I mean the you opposite. don't move to the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of the UK. So, so that's uh, interesting. Uh, but no, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, and uh, I say, but that's that's also in a sense when the UK left EU, EU doesn't have the right to say we don't think you're treating your citizens okay. Mm. No, they left the EU. So no, so but I say. If you don't think your own government is treating you correctly, mm. you have the ballot box of changing yep. that. Yep. That's when I'm violated by U.S. government, mm. I don't, I can't go and vote in the U.S. So m me personally is another example, but that's a different thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a citizen, but yeah, <laughs> normal people who's non-U.S. citizens mm. can't go to the ballot box in the U.S. and mm. say I've been violated. No. It's not the way it works, but uh, that's a possibility. So, yeah. All right. Hmm? Awesomeness. Is there anything else that happened this summer regarding GDPR? We need to bring it to the table. Yeah, a few fines actually. Oh, we yeah. should mention that that Amazon has is facing a seven hundred forty six million euro fine for oh, violations wow. of GDPR. So now we are starting to talk about fines that are appropriate measure mm. mm -hmm. because this has been a complaint that we don't have we haven't had this fine culture of fines in s Europe the same no. as US has which no. is record fine so no. WhatsApp faced at 225 million mm. euro fine and uh, Amazon faced a 746 million you know what the sad part with Amazon is no it was this will not even uh, affect their margin. No, their bottom line is not going to get 
any worse from that regarding that but still so <laughs> yes <laughs> well fair enough it's still a hefty fine you can't get away absolutely from that portion, so from it, uh, <laughs> is it a done deal or are they under under uh, investigations now of course they've uh, uh, they complained and overruled, and overruled the, it, yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah of course but so yeah. it will take some time before this settled mm -hmm. down but mm -hmm. at least uh, this was luxembourg actually uh, fine mm. uh, because that's where they have their european entity so mm. registered european entity so that's what but yeah no uh, but that says a lot on how big they are. Yeah. When they consider, yeah, okay. <laughs> I have 750 million euro lying around I can spare. Most for most companies that would be painful. Yeah. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that would be severely painful for most companies. But yeah. then there are some companies that yeah shrug their shoulder and move on essentially. Yeah, and say okay, yeah, here yeah. we go. Let's yeah. settle this. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But not uh, an even playing field, I guess, right? But no, and that's a good thing because now they've started to take this in a proportion. Yeah. Because it should be proportional to how big you are. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly the point of it is. So that's what's yeah. a good thing. So actually, so yeah, I like it. But yeah, now we've started to see some of these really bigger fines, and hopefully, mm. that will allow for a bit more to go and say okay if you do serious violations you should pay mm. the price as well yeah all right so that's that's where we are with that then that's enough gdpr for a while uh next week we're not going to talk about gdpr that's for sure we hope um <laughs> no <laughs> well okay we said this before and then next we week hope. we're sitting here talking about gdpr so but i'm i'm i am i am putting my shin out there to be hit yeah to exactly. say that we're not going to talk about it next week hopefully we can talk about something more fun than that mm. so anyways uh we are now at least off and running again which is awesome i hope you will continue to listen we uh, do thank you for your support so far and uh we hope that you continue to tune in on a weekly basis you find more about the information about the episodes on citynetwork.eu slash podcast and you find us wherever podcasts are available and i believe youtube will be an option as well moving forward with that being said, Kim, um, that's it for this week. <laughs>